0: Hi folks, welcome to another edition of the Consto's Convos podcast. Today's guest is an American lad by the name of Seb Llewellyn. Keeping with the artistic theme of the last show, Seb is an art director and I've had the good fortune to work with him on a few projects. Today he was good enough to come in and have a chat about what he does for a living and of course being American we spoke about American things. As always, thank you very much for tuning in to listen to the show. It means a great deal to me. Hopefully, the show will get even bigger and better as we go on. Make sure you stick about to listening. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Constos Convos Podcast.
1: Sabe how are you doing mate you all right yeah yeah i'm doing okay doing okay long day did i pronounce your name right yeah yeah that's right it's Sab. it's like gaber dave but with s-a-b-e ah, i never yeah. thought of that
0: because it's i think it's quite an american thing you guys seem to make up a lot of names don't you
1: yeah yeah we can i mean my mom i, I don't know if she made it up but uh yeah the name came from my mother so um she was well her and my, my father at the time were both college kids who were commuting more than an hour and uh, going to uh, running a farm as well, right? So, is that why they had to travel so much? It was quite rural, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was quite a rural space and everything. And um, in the middle of the night, like, yeah, cows got out, and uh, the guy next door was like, Oh, my son's saved. noticed that, you know, your cows are all out of our field. So, Three a.m. Get the cows back in, mending the fence, and run to the guy feed store later. And it was, so wow. How do you spell that? Say what? What was it? He's like, my son's name's Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but she was, you know, it just stuck, and so you know. Yeah, it was. Uh, she was like, oh, I, I'm going to mark that and uh, and name a child. So apparently. you got a
0: special one. I guess. And the rest of your siblings,
1: they all get. Um, my my oldest brother Wade. Is probably the most similar. Wade I meant Wade Boggs. Yeah, I like, Wade, yeah like Wade, like Wade Boggs. Player. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's very kind of American, yeah. isn't
1: it? Yeah. And then there's Reese and Kaylee. All right. Okay. Yeah. And today's Kaylee's birthday. Uh,
0: happy birthday! Yeah, she's thirty years old. That's cool. Yeah. That's a milestone, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I yeah. think it was. That's yeah. when I turned thirty. That was like I felt like an adult. If you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: Well. I she's, still am a she's man always child. Been a little but, adult, but, yeah, yeah.
0: well some people are just like that. I look back and I'm, I'm very immature, as you probably can tell with uh me and Seb have been doing some work together and uh I, I'm a man child. I've never really fully grew up and I remember even going back and I'm like, God, they they were really they, they were mature, they knew what they were doing. I just didn't know anything, they still don't know anything. Uh that's part of the podcast is people coming on so I can steal stuff from their brain and learn something. And um, Sabe was kindly to come on because he, w- w- you describe yourself as an art director? Would you say that's?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, d- an art director, definitely like looking at the overarching uh, concepts and things like that within uh, both graphic work and in fine art. Uh, so probably always been an artist and have used my artist and design knowledge to build a career within the commercial field to go on and, uh, art direct, you know, photo shoots or video shoots like we did today. Yep. Um, and just historical knowledge.
0: Yeah. I I remember my brother, he, he studied formally art as well. And, I kind of done a lot of art when I was younger, but I remember him telling me like these rules and stuff and you learn them. I'm like, wow, it is quite fascinating. And it's like anything, once you learn the rules, then you break them, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I know it sounds silly, but it is so true. Like a big thing with me, like with photographs is like, and obviously I've done it too, is like people over-exaggerated tilts. Yeah. And it drives me nuts. But I also see guys that do it very subtly or just not over the top and it it can really add to it but they kind of know like the horizon should be straight and guys it it just it's one of the things that just really annoys me but once you you understand the background and history and why people do stuff that's when you can really do something with it i think um you are american obviously yeah yeah so what you doing in in not so sunny glasgow
1: well um can i make it a longer story please. Okay. Uh, I wanted to go on with uh, what you were talking about, like learning the rules before you break them too. Oh, right. so, okay. Um, I wanted to, uh, to study art when I was young and never really got the chance and ended up studying electrical engineering for a couple of years. And then by the time I had that, I had enough university underneath my belt to, um, when I did get the chance to go to art school, I went to art school for three years solid so i got a dual degree in um, interactive animation and um, painting with a minor in art history that specialism of film so i got a chance to study both um, design and art simultaneously so when i came out though i was still practicing art i was working as a commercial designer as well and i think both things have kind of felt uh fit into each other yeah absolutely and I got to Seattle where I was being an art director and I was like, I really want to put a lot of energy into my art. I want to concentrate on it and get my MFA. What's so that? uh master's of fine art. Okay. And uh, it, what in the United States is considered a finite degree. So here you can get a doctorate in, uh, in fine art, but in the United States, if you have a master's of fine art, it's like having a law degree in art. You can teach university. Right. Okay. And uh, I was like, well, I can do that. And then I come back and I can teach either design or teach fine arts. So, so I'll be, you wanted to teach. Is that I something wanted to teach? Yeah. And uh, I thought Glasgow is one of two schools in the UK attracted me. And I settled on Glasgow School of Art because I felt like it is one of the top 10 art schools in the nation to get your MFA from or in the world. Why is that? Them. You know, that's a very interesting question, and it has to do with um, something that you and I have talked about in the past, which is being in Scotland and being in the dark, people don't have that much to do, so they end up innovating a lot. You talk about Seattle. They're very yeah. similar climates, isn't Oh, it? yeah. Yeah, they are very similar, and and we actually get more water there but get more uh, sunny days as well. So, um but a lot of like Turner Prize winners, Turner Prize is a big prize here in, in the UK yep. for fine art. Big money, isn't it? Big money. Uh, it really establishes who you are. There's not really a Turner Prize since the 90s that's gone by that didn't have a Glaswegian artist in it. I did not know that. Yeah. So or at lot- least somebody studied in Glasgow. Somebody studied in Glasgow or somebody who is from Glasgow. Um, some of them still own own property here so some of the leading contemporary artists in the uk at the time have come out of glasgow and they've come through that system where everybody knows them so it's it has quite a reputation because of that and it just grows doesn't it and it gets better and it's a shame obviously
0: most people are aware eh, that it went on fire and the, the building the building is beautiful as well and it's, it's, it was actually a signal. I'm not like one of these guys, like it's a building and I'm heartbroken, but that was such a beautiful place, you know, the way it, and I
1: haven't actually been that back up that way to see what it looks like. Um, Well, it's quite gutted now and yeah. it, it wasn't gutted during World War II. So I think that that was a real blow to a lot of people. It's a purpose-built art school designed by uh, Renee McIntosh and I've never got a chance to set foot in it before it burned the first time in um, 2015. That's right, that's right. And um, so I was there and, you know, everybody talked about getting the Mac back together. It was this, it's, it's kind of the spiritual linchpin of the school. Yeah. And then I graduated and the summer that I graduated and got married to my wife is when it went on a fire, which was... I heard does yeah. that happen twice? You know what I mean? You know, well, there's there's debate and there was an inquiry and who's to say if we ever find out. There's um, a stat that says something like with construction, um, fires on constructions are real, uh, more likely to happen once the build is 85% complete. And I don't know why it is. I don't know if people are just more careless or um, you just get to a point where, you know, it's hard to, to get around or... Um, The amount of people that's there, I I honestly don't know. But the week that that happened, I had written an article for the Memphis Flyer, which is a weekly newspaper, about how Memphis should try to be more like Glasgow. Get drunk and fight. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, not that that doesn't happen in in Memphis. It certainly happens in Memphis. (laughs) But um, that... You know, it has a, a real strong um, cultural art centre and music has a cultural music centre and Glasgow has a cultural mu- music centre. So I just thought that they were two cities that could uh, learn a lot from each other.
0: Yeah, a lot. And, you know, a lot of cities do these things. They sister cities and join up and try and swap ideas. And, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And Glasgow, I don't, I think with, with Glasgow is because... It was so bleak and harsh at times that you got into music, or you got into art, or you got into football, and you just went balls out. It was like all or nothing, yeah. you know. And people really throw themselves. and Glasgow's get quite a rich history of the Glasgow Boys, you know, through the art and to say Charles Rennie McTosh, he's his stuff's fantastic, way ahead of its
1: time. And uh, you actually teach in Edinburgh. Yeah, I do. I teach at ECA. I teach on uh, the second year of their MFA program for design. you're you're from Glasgow. You're not allowed That's rivals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if GSA would have hired me, I would have worked there. (laughs) If University of Glasgow would have hired me, I would have worked there. But, you know, ECA took a chance on me. So, I mean, what can I say about working for Edinburgh University? Nothing wrong. Edinburgh's a beautiful place. It's actually
0: much more, it's a better looking city, I've said. Um, ten times. Glasgow's just got an energy that Edinburgh kind of lacks, I think. But uh, Edinburgh is a beautiful place, and you know, I have done a, a chap a talk so, with your class the other day. I
1: enjoy it. I've done a few uh, talks for colleges and things. I really like teaching. Yeah, and I think it was really informative for them to to hear like your side of it because they're so used to the design side of things to understand like, how it's like. Collab with
0: people yeah. and how they do things, and it makes you think. You know, once you add that component and you go oh he does this or i need to maybe take this into consideration when i'm doing stuff and i think it's, I'll, I, I like working with designers as well we, we spoke about that how you can come up with ideas that i need to create or they'll take something of mine and take it somewhere else i'm just like i love it i really do and we also speaking about your your uh, what's what's the word i'm looking for your your project you done with recording yeah yeah because obviously i've got into this with the podcast i'm really interested in, in the recording sound and editing it and stuff and you've done something that
1: i thought was quite cool you want to yeah, tell us about yeah. like that um i want to back up and make it a really long story um, but not boring That's or maybe okay. it'll be really short and hey, really boring who knows we'll see uh, we'll see what the story is but in uh, 2015 right before i Came here to start my master's. I built a boat in Seattle that you could fit into two golf bags. It, it broke down into two golf bags and it was a skin on frame boat. Flew from Seattle to the Gulf Coast of Mexico in Mississippi, a little place, uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi. Put the boat together on a beach and rode that boat out to a barrier island that was uninhabited and lived out there for about two weeks, you know, on just my own thing. So I've got tons of footage of that. And when I was shooting the video, like mostly through action cameras and things, I I had a vision of doing film, you know, at least a film with it, or at least documenting the experience. But one of the things that I really wanted to experience was the, uh, the sound aspects of it right you can get light pollution from the city still out that far but what you don't get is a lot of sound pollution from the city so it's a lot of like nature sounds and you can hear one side of the island from the other you can hear the sound side versus the um or it'd be the south side i the, I guess the, coast the protected side, side if yeah. you like yeah and so if you, even over on the, the protected side, sometimes it'll be like whisper quiet and it won't be like, a, it'll just be a small little lap, but you can hear, you know, half a mile away. You can hear the other, you know, other bit of waves. So I brought like a, a shotgun, you know, with, on a, and a blimp. Can you explain oh, what a shotgun yes, is? Okay. <laughs> You're American, so they might think it's something else. <laughs> I brought a shotgun mic. Yeah. Um, to help zoom in on the, you know, the exact sound and control where, yeah. Yep.
0: You're not getting the ambient as much as
1: where you point it, you're picking up, isn't it? Yeah. But it was so exposed there. Like there's no real, I mean, there are trees, but, um, you're really exposed to like the wind and the sun and everything like that. So I had a, a full blimp on it, you know, completely. And I just went around and shot, um, shot, I say shot, recorded, um, field recordings of all the things. And then, when i came back i haven't i've done some with the video footage but i really got attracted to sound and what sound does and how sound describes a place you know so you know when we first started here one of the first things that you did was record a bit of silence you're recording room noise while we're here because a room has yeah, a particular ambient just yeah yeah noises from pipes. Uh, yeah just everything lights buzzing and so i was thinking like oh well you know what sound actually is a an incredible sculptural thing right because it describes something in a way um that is sometimes more precise than than light like you can hear something with your ear and go i know where that was recorded well you as you know like i'm sure you know sorry should
0: i say that you know, like I do videos and when I was, you know, on my learning curve, everybody was saying like this, you need to nail the sound. Yeah. You could actually get away with poorer, you know, visual quality, but if you get poor sound, people will turn off. Yeah. You need to really get your sound down. And even doing this podcast, like I thought I was doing okay, the post work and my cousin, Jimmy, big shout to Jimmy, who's been on the show you need to turn it up, it's too quiet mm. and I'd, uh, I had Chris Riley on as well and he's he uh, does a bit of sound recording for his career and he was like, you need to bring up your levels just, I like the whole learning of it and seeing it's rich and you, you go through it all I was like, I could, I'd love to do a sound recording or work in a, you know, a music studio or something i think it'd be fascinating there's actually one across the road it was pretty cool heard, mm-hmm. and you know about diffusers uh how certain bounces off things and this studio is obviously photographic so we've got a lot of bare walls it's getting yeah, quite
1: it, echoey but it's still we're, we're learning and we're trying to get better yeah you can hear it's a hard room yeah you know and, and all the services are hard and the fact that you can hear that is um is a testament to what sound can do but another testament to what sound can do is the fact of how people respond to music as opposed to art like people like people who don't really get into visual art still can get really into music and music has this sort of music and sound has a pervasiveness within the human anatomy right so light sure comes through the eyes and hits the retinas and travels down a neural pathway and becomes an image in the back of the mind and the the brain does its best with what that is but sound like you're more likely to be woken up in the middle of the night through a sound sound something about it going into your earlobe about feeling sound in your your whole body yeah because there's vibrations and stuff obviously, isn't
0: it so as you said you're feeling it to your bone i would you think about music right what you said there was quite profound because i would Maybe guess that that's one of the biggest, you know, like obviously, just current times. There's always there's a lot of talk about racism, right? Mm. I think music's probably one of the biggest things for breaking down racism. Yeah, because obviously from the American South, you know how it was. The history was so segregated, but music always crossed these borders. To this day, you know, music's just such a strong, powerful thing, and I always laugh like. Uh, you know, that's crap music or good music. And I says there's no, it's whatever your preference is, you know, but how strong it is and how powerful it is, it means to people. Some of our biggest idols these days are singers, aren't they?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And very easily, and when you think about Memphis and, you know, like we were talking about uh, segregation and sound and music, you know, like you think of Sun Studios, like Sun Studios was a blending of sound, but not necessarily a blending of people. I mean, you've got like, um, different artists coming in there. But when you think of like the $4 million quartet or whatever it was, the million dollar quartet, you know, it's, it's four white guys. Um, when you think about like ardent, ardent had a little bit more diversity, but there's nothing like stacks, right? Stacks records. It didn't matter what color you were. You walked into stacks and you gave it your all and you worked hard You got somewhere there and they had, you know, really well-known integrated bands. Of course, um, let's see, Booker T and the MGs, right? Um, But also like sound recorders and artists, you know, hand in hand, uh, mixed bands, you know, like if you could play, you just walked into stacks and, and played and think of all the things that Isaac Hayes did there. It's just an incredible community because it was people who got beyond judging people by where they came from in town, what they look like. Can you play? Can you bring talent here? Are you serious about what it is that you do? Then you're welcome here. And there are very few places in life in which you can find an environment like that.
0: Yeah, and you you hope that that's where we're going, that you're just judging people on their character. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm actually not a big fan of everybody talking about race all the time. I know people can say, well, they're victims of it more or... They've got the right, like saying that I haven't got a right to talk about it, which is fair enough. And they can deal with it. I haven't obviously had to deal with anything really like that at their level, but I just feel it's like I think we progress in a better way. I really do. I just talking about our like, time annoys me. But it was music that got me very mm. much, like not colorblind, but I loved hip hop growing up. You know, it was all it was, I guess, ninety-five percent black American, no African American. And when you're going back and just seeing like the publishing rates, like a lot of these record labels use these black people to record, sell it. And these guys get nothing, you know, That is a shame. But even going back to that, like you cut a record yeah, with your yeah, it yeah, yeah, so That's took... a super cool thing too. Like with the whole vinyl, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Because it goes back to sculpture and my feeling of it being sculptural. Right. So a vinyl record is essentially like a low relief sculpture that the needle itself is feeling like the grooves over and the, yeah and valleys and, and mountains and it's transmitting um, a low relief sculpture into a large three D encompassing sculpture. So I, that that's why I wanted to, because you could do electronic through speakers and I probably will with the same material. But I wanted a, a very visceral analog to enrich in the experience. Or I wanted people to be immersed in high into quality those as well. Oh, just yeah.
0: even the vinyl is just like a quality that people you're not really getting off digital devices. I guess that's probably a bit naive of me to say. But
1: vinyl is like if you're writing the music, that's where you're at, aren't you? So yeah. And the producer that I used, he was like, "Oh man, these are really spot on field recordings. You did a really good job." Cool. Um, doing that so he put extra effort into did doing he
0: it. do like the post work if you like then is he yeah. taking your raw recordings and really polishing
1: it up well the way that i did it i divided since it's a record i had two sides of the story right and i kind of divided into quarters so i took the different um field recordings to try to like loosely and abstractly story tell a journey across that island okay. and and through that island yep yep and uh, sort of suffering some of the storms and being exposed to the weather there, and took all those tracks, provided those tracks, and he did the final balancing because he knows how to cut. Did you his... notice the like the difference, like with the cleaning it up and really tweaking it out? You could tell some of the difference, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it, because once once you put those headphones on, the intent of it was to be played without headphones. But once you, if you put the headphones on the record, They'll have to beat the old headphones, yeah man. And it's just, and I've got this um, at my house in Memphis. I've got this old um, what we call cabinet sets, but it's an old vacuum tube record player. And um, a cabinet set is like, uh, you just have a turntable. Mm-hmm. It's a built-in piece of furniture in which you have these old speakers in it as well. So it looks a lot like what you guys would call a sideboard. Yes. But it's got a turntable built into it and speakers and a little bit of storage place for right, yep, records. Yep, yep, And the vacuum tube, like turning the analog uh, needle movements into vacuum tube and coming out of that speaker, it, there's, there's no words for how that um, record makes me feel. Now, I imagine there's a lot of people who have also been out on that island that respond to that record a very similar way. So it's something about the memory of those sounds too that they're responding to, not just the simple storytelling. And when you hear it on that, you're just transported. Like you can just close your eyes and you're back there and you can feel the heat on your skin, you know? Was that during the summer you went? No, I I wouldn't have been able to survive that. Summer's so hot, right? I know,
0: it's something I can't even picture. Like... Yeah, it's... I... You, How be, i can get I think in the
1: southern states it'd be over 40 degrees out there because they're all white sands right so it's just the instant the wind died you'd just be baking in just UV light and, yeah, and heat burns snow over the place yeah. the best time to go is really in may and june and then once you get to july it's tons of like sudden storms come up that are quite violent I've been in some out there but not on that trip I, I wanted to do it at a time in which it was calm enough that I could row out there and trust my boat um you know it, it was one of those things with even like navigating out there and having a a map and just a compass reading rowing you're you're back to it right so i'm just watching a civilization get smaller and smaller yeah. and further and further away and hoping that i'm going to the right direction and not ending mm. up out in the middle of the uh, gulf of mexico or over the edge of flat earth yeah, yeah, they go <laughs> the edge of flat Earth. I know. Is that? I think the tornadoes and stuff come up through there. Would that be right? No, um, there are um, tornadoes through there, absolutely, um, and, and through that region. It's a huge, the one of the biggest problems of hurricanes, and um, so people value um, each other quite a bit because of that. Because you end up in those kind of situations where you need to rely on your neighbor, where you may not have fresh water, where you may not have electricity. Um, you know, through no fault of your own and it's quite a sporadic thing. So America's got quite a lot of that. It's like it, yeah, you've got the fault lines, so you get the earthquakes
0: in like California. You know, you've got um the tornadoes of like Kansas, you know, the prairies and Kansas, stuff. Kansas, Oklahoma, yeah, and uh, Nebraska. And it's like something that in, or even like New Orleans with the was that was that a hurricane or something? That was that a hurricane. And people just live in that constant fear that and happening kind of over and over. It's funny how people just—you just think like, on never why don't you just pick up and move? That is home.
1: Yeah, and, and no the fires in California too,
0: right? Yeah, and again, and in- see some of those pictures like people were sending like, there's no filter on this. Check this, and it's like just orange over everything. Just that it says it's during the day. It just looks like dusk, you know, just orange misty
1: it's crazy it's quite scary when i when i rode up to that island um it had been 10 years since hurricane katrina come through there which is the one that you were talking about that yep. really devastated new orleans and it had been five years since the bp oil spill the deep horizon oil spill. yes 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 so i thought you know like i might see evidence of those things out there when i was are like around and getting like final things, you know, cause you arrive and you've, you've got to go get water and you've got to get enough, um, water things to carry out there. So it was basically like growing another human worth of water out there just to survive for that amount of time and, you know, doing other errands and you get to talking to people and it wasn't the BP oil spill that really upset them. Like, and I found out that it was because they made money off of that. Anybody with a boat, Made money off of the BP oil spill, going out and helping with the cleanup. What, were they, what did they actually do for the cleanup? If all of them did different things, some of it was spraying like a um, some kind of agent on it to yep. help it, you know, break up. Some mm-hmm. of it was, you know, running barriers to keep it from hitting other. Okay. You know, like actual yeah. physical cleanup. Um, everybody was still quite devastated by Hurricane Katrina. There was a lot of property down there. That was absolutely vacant because people couldn't afford to rebuild because, um, it was a catch 22 of, of homeowner's insurance where you insure the value of your house, right? Mm -hmm. Like the rebuild value. But the problem is, is the insurance company said, well, but your insurance is going to be higher if you don't put it on stilts, but they weren't willing to pay out enough to put the house on stilts so you could get enough money for your house, but you had to put it back the way where it was, but you wouldn't be able to afford the insurance on it. But if you, you'd have to go into a deep loan to put it on stilts in order to be able to afford the insurance. So there was a lot of just vacant property. That's just now starting to be built on and, and reset. And that, that was the thing that really marked them. And it marked that, uh, their experiences there. There was an artist who came through and a lot of the old trees that were snapped, um, between, uh, Biloxi and, um, Gulfport. biloxi oh, that's such a cool name. Isn't it it? Is, isn't <laughs> yeah. He, uh, chainsaw carved the stumps that were left. All oh, right. Uh, we've got some guys that came kind to of do that. About yeah. And they've brought like eagles and so on. And yeah. And just to kind of like mark, and remember yeah, those trees. A remembrance a bit. thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just it's America's just the land of the extremes. Like even you coming over and working with um us doing like we were doing bigger shoots now and we're trying to incorporate you no know, sort of lifestyles they caught where we're setting, you know, setting up sets basically. And we, we do the stuff here, it's made probably more down London, I would suppose, as well, but like Glasgow, you probably just do a lot of things yourself, but you guys will have, you know, your stylist, your set designer, and just, you always go over the top. I like it some ways, and other times it doesn't work, but uh, we look to use guys, obviously, for inspiration for most of this stuff, it's funny. It's a lot easier when you have um, skilled people.
1: You know it's just and,
0: working as a team, like, yeah, really, as we said earlier, too, is like getting out your comfort zone or somebody giving you a challenge that you need to rise to, and you, you do your greatest stuff. Sometimes you can just plod along and just, you know, not really push yourself. And then somebody does something, you're either inspired or, you know, like, I'll, I'll take that on, I'll do this, and you, you create your
1: best stuff, don't you? Yeah. I like working in a team, I think, being part of a team for me one of the uh, the best parts is realizing that a good idea can come from anywhere yeah you know so from a mistake quite it, often it can Israel. come from a mistake it can come from somebody who just walked into the thing and have have no experience yeah the, the real talent is recognizing a good idea that's and true and then well i one of my old lectures to say that and
0: it's a well-known thing. I've heard other photographers, especially, say that is like you're only as good as the stuff you show. Mm. And I'm kind of guilty sometimes. You show too much, but see, people who can really self-edit and only show the good stuff—that's that's a real power, you know. Because a, a cheaper version of your work can really cheapen the whole feel of it as well. So I agree. Like some people have just got good taste. Um, some people, it's a lot harder. They just don't see stuff. People are just very keen eye and they pick up stuff. Um, so it's good. Like you, you've got the, these different backgrounds and you're bringing that to the table. And I feel as if like, like the, the stuff's been really good that we've been doing.
1: I think fresh eyes are, are a good thing, and I think that that's one of things that um immigrants can bring a lot to a community. Oh, too. Absolutely, because they're coming in from somewhere completely different and they they're asking the questions of like. Why are you doing this? Why, Why are, you are you Scottish doing this, people
0: this eating this food? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> but again, in my own, uh, not to say it's right or wrong, but this, I'm not a fan of this cultural appropriation term because I believe that we all kind of should borrow from each other and get better. It's like uh, Britain's national dish now is a curry. Yeah. Now that was brought by immigrants who just went, God, that is amazing, you know. An Indian curry or, you know, it's just so flavoursome, it's just and that becomes part of fish and chips, you know, that was Jewish and it becomes your own. And this is America had it with just the huge melting pot of even like a hamburger or a hot dog, that's kinda you know, it's German, you know, and the pizza slice from the Italians, you know, jazz from your African-Americans, uh, just all that sort of stuff. That's why that's why America is such a leader, I think, because they always took the best, didn't they? You know, like Albert Einstein didn't stay there. He went to America and he was in the universities, all these uh, actors, because obviously Hollywood's full of Australian, Canadian, British actors, uh, talking in American accents. These American guys, oh, I didn't know he was not American. Yeah. But that's where everybody goes because that's the kind of pinnacle where you, you test yourself, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, that's part of one of America's greatest things basically, isn't it? Yeah. and
1: I think I said it about a week ago in which one of our great strengths was always compromise, right? So it's always about coming up with even if our ideas aren't the best ideas finding a common ground in which you can bridge you know and you end up with something generally better right
0: being american that was what it says like when people used to get off ellis island or arrive at ellis island that's really like you became american so that was a common bond with everybody that held you together and as i've said in the show before that You know, humans are at their strongest when they group together. That's how we became the apex uh, predator on planet Earth is because we could group together. There was tougher animals. There was, you know, rip us apart. We're like, you know, we're like blood bags running about. Something sharp opens you up, we're gone. You've got an elephant, rhinoceros, a hippo, rip you apart, no problem. But we could group and overcome. And that's what we're probably lacking is... You know, and even with the internet, like I've fallen away from a lot of friends over the years, and you you forget the stuff that actually bonded you together. And you talk about other things, you know, politics and other crap that everybody gets, you know, arguing and nitpicking each other. I'm like, let's go back to music, let's go back to art, let's do that thing that bonded us together. You know, we used to play football together. Let's watch a game, go play, or just do something like that. I think just we're we're finding it hard knowing everybody's politics now years ago you didn't really know everybody's what you voted if you like or everybody was just like yours and you just didn't
1: know any different
0: yeah and i think that we are really struggling with finding all this information coming towards us we just don't know how to dissect it and you even going back to your project the simple simple things of the sounds of wind water trees rustling or whatever it's just so soothing, something that we don't do. That's like the meditation, isn't it? You're, you need to clear your mind of all the craziness that's happening. Because people think the whole meditation, like, a mom and doing all this stuff. It's just basically clearing
1: your thoughts of all the stress. I think one of, the, one of the things that I really realized doing that, you know, I, I knew that they were going to be isolated. I knew that the sounds were going to be isolated. But they've got the same sounds on the shore in the United States they've got the exact same sounds right there's nothing dramatically different about the sounds of nature there as opposed to the island but what doesn't happen on the island is an air conditioner kick on (laughs) or a car go by or somebody playing music or you know somebody yeah yeah yeah. and um, you know or you know boats going by planes going by it's human civilization in and of itself that kind of separates you from having that particular feeling. So a lot of people who've who've had that, who've been able to come to peace with uh, a life without those levels of interruptions, when you talk about like meditation or something like that, they appreciate those things because they re- realize. Stripped down to those basics, yeah. isn't
0: it? It's, we, we train people, Uh, at a football park that's on the flight path now and basically it's coming into land there as well so they're low planes and they're going by constantly and at first it's like geez, oh you find it hard and then after a while it kind of melts into the norm of it yeah but it's so loud and crazy to think that so imagine all the things that you are turning off you're not listening to the nature and the, the simple things you know just I love I personally I love water running you know like I've I've always... I love going up the hills. Grew up next to it when I was younger. I lived in a housing scheme. But was it was up in the hills, and my house was the last block, the last room right next to the hills. So I used to love going there, disappearing, and you didn't hear much, and you could hear the water running. You used to love that. Or like wind cutting through things and
1: whistling and doing things like that. It's it, it, To me, it's a level thing, right? So... um the more that's going on with everything else, all those sounds that we're describing are much louder than the really subtle and nuanced sounds. Yep. So it's not even that people don't know that they're there. They do know that intellectually that they exist. But how can you pay attention to that when you're already ignoring something that's far, far higher in level, right? Because your mind can only take a certain amount of stimulus. So it's always editing things. Right. And you can do this visually where, you you know, you can stare at a flag, whether it's uh, Canadian or Scottish for a bit, and then move your eyes over and you see the after image of it because your your eyes trying to compensate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Because your eyes are trying to tone down in some way. Intellectually, your mind, what I was talking about earlier, receiving that information intellectually, your mind's going, okay, well, we don't need all that, really. You know, we we know what's there now it does the same thing to to sound and to smells. as things that you get accustomed to. And civilization is something that you get accustomed to. And I'm not anti-civilization. I want to go on the record for saying that.
0: Seb wants to end civilization. Okay, folks,
1: just be wary. Look, I'm just saying that <laughs> at the end times, things are going to be so much better when we don't have all this stuff.
0: We set right back to the fundamentals.
1: Yeah, but going back to your, I mean, it was a good point that you mentioned earlier, too, about like the commonality of of humans and how we live together as a group. And I don't think it was even just us living together as groups, because there are other animals that live together in groups and they do find ways to um, survive. There, there's all kinds of levels of camouflage. There's, but we have, I think, I think that this is what the animals haven't got as a
0: belief. We've got something that we can hope that cling to hope. Like we can put something on a pedestal and work towards it. Obviously they've just get reused, which I agree. Like, listen, guys, we're munchied, let's hunt down this caribou. It's a big bastard, so we're going to have to get a few numbers in here and we'll we'll take it down, maybe look for a weak one and things. So they've got that, but I, I think the, the book that I read, Sapiens, that was the big thing, is like you can have a belief that you can actually get people out with your
1: group as well. Yeah, I guess I would disagree with that a little bit. Well, you I, need to I speak think... to this man who wrote the book. Well, I I will. I will. But I think in my mind, it's not the belief. Um, I don't want to discount that animals can have belief or hope or aspiration. If you've ever watched an animal try to get something, it knows that it's in there. Now, it may live in the moment very differently than we do. But I think what we have is not just a belief or a hope, but the ability to communicate that and to get behind to a common idea and a common understanding of how to execute that. And I think having an oral language and having a written language are the things that really are the thing that that unites us as as human beings. Because what we can do is we can have a persistence of knowledge. Yeah, and that just
0: it, it gets deeper into if you've had this written word that's been in generations and it's just getting taught as you're young and Really cuts deep like religion, isn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah. you know. And uh again, the Americans—is uh, it the Mormons or something? Or I can't remember one of the kind of newer religions. Like it's not that
1: old. No, and no, neither, really... neither Mormons nor uh Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, like stuff that like old. that.
0: You know, like the whole—is it John Smith or whatever it was, or the guy who don't know the Scientology sort of stuff as well. L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, your man there and it just gets deep and ingrained after a while. So like you maybe have a conversion, but you start, you know, brainwashing your kids into it. It just, it really runs deep, especially as a child, as you know, it's like, it might never leave them if you get them. And we're just a strange species.
1: Yeah. I would say that, um, I found it being an American. I found more people who were raised Mormon or raised Jehovah witness who left, because their parents were Jehovah Witness or, or Mormon, do you but think
0: they... the strictness of it maybe or,
1: no, I think that you, as a kid, you can be, like, oh, what's that over there? Like Jehovah Witnesses don't have birthdays; they don't celebrate birthdays. That's what I mean, just literally like or Christmas, you know. So they how tough would that be, you know? Yeah. just So it, it's easy to leave that, but what I find that people don't leave is the converted. Is that people who had all those things and gave it up to become a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon, they are hardline. There is no one more passionate about something than the converted. Well,
0: I mean, I've it, been watching, well, I've been listening to like Mike Tyson quite a bit and his podcast, and he's going through the stuff, and he's actually very emotionally intelligent, you know, just talking about things and having all this stuff and realizing, like, what matters and it's always the stuff like, oh, it's easy for them to say that material possessions don't matter because they've got them all. You know, if you're if you're unhappy, it doesn't matter if you've got that car. And, don't know. I want that car, but I'm just saying, we need to go through this stuff. And what you said is, I've had it all, so I know what's important to me. Because I've got that now at my age that there's maybe things that I used to strive for that I, that I know they don't mean that much to me anymore. I know that my biggest thing is like, I like being Close to my family and be able to go back every night. I couldn't be the guy that was working away for two weeks all mm. the time, you know. And so some guys work out in the rigs, they're off for two weeks back home, which is nice, but then they're away for two weeks. Like that night, that night before you left for two weeks, I'd, I'd be a mess. My stomach would be turning. I don't ever yeah. like staying overnight away from them anymore. Maybe change changes as they get older and they find their freedoms, but then now I just like, I want to be there in that hub. So that's changed a lot of things that people say, oh, you could do this, you could do that. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not interested. And yeah. They can't quite believe it. And I'm like, no, I had it. I'm, I'm, I am sure. I don't want it now. I'm, I'm of that age. I don't need to lie. You know, I know what I want. I know what I am at this stage. Because when you're younger, you don't really know, do you? No. Yeah.
1: Well, it depends.
0: Well, some people are sure. I just mean, like, yeah. you probably think it's like the celebrity thing. Many people are truly happy at being celebrities. They don't realise like you're going out for a meal and people are going to interrupt you. Can I take a picture? They just see this this prize, but they don't know all the stuff that comes with it or the other baggage. I think what you do, like being an artist, is um, one of the most fulfilling things for Gathers because I believe when you create as a human, you're at your happiest not consuming all the time i think sitting and we are I that's why we've got a lot of mental health issues and things and i'm just as guilty you know sitting on youtube just watching video after video not getting out and creating and doing things and stimulating your brain
1: just zombies i felt really bad for everybody when lockdown happened i mean you know i have tons of uh friends who are artists right like that's basically my cohort these are people that i first knew when I came here because I didn't know anything beyond the university. Yeah, your peers, the people yeah. you spent time with, made friends and... But I felt bad for everybody else who didn't have a hobby because the first thing that they did was close all the art stores. They closed all the, like, you know, I mean, even, you know, model building, model trains, like all these people and all of a sudden had all this time and then had no access to materials or <laughs> ways All to...
0: this time to create and I've not got the, the bits and bobs that I need to do it. Yeah. Some people were lucky. I guess because it'd be a good time to spend time yourself. Some people are not good at spending time themselves. Like the big one uh, locally was the pubs shutting because they're very integrated uh, into the the fabric. You know, people spend their social time there. The best friends or they gossip and talk and be with people. The relaxation of having a drink and then that was taken away. That a lot of people suffer under that. Um, I was yeah. getting lucky. There's some people that didn't have anybody. Like, you. your family's back in America. You found
1: it hard and still do that yeah. you can't get back to see them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's the thing. And even though we you know, say something like, oh, you know, we're so jealous to have all this time to be able to do something, the fact is of having your family back there or something like that, that's where your mind is, you know. Whether or not you have the time or the ability to do something, when we... When human beings hit a situation like that, the instant that you can't have something, there's a there's a focus to it and there's an amount of energy that you put to even pushing it away that can drain you out of the day and you don't get as much done as... I, I didn't find that I did. That's a good point, actually. He says it's, it's, it is draining and sometimes you won't realize
0: why it is draining. Sometimes you just get caught and you're like, how did I end up at this place? I'm not happy. I'm, I'm no... No energy and stuff. It's just simple things that it was. People didn't realize. It's just the interaction with the people they love and they care yeah. about it the most. Well, you know, it's crazy. Like, you can't go there and you can't do this. A lot of people are suffering. I, it's been a long time now. Like,
1: it's going to really change us, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if it
1: hasn't already. My mom wrote me and she was like, Any plans to, this is yesterday, any plans to travel? And that's because, you know, like we've got American Thanksgiving coming up. We got Christmas coming up and I was like, mom, I can't, I can't now with COVID. Like you've not you in particular, she's not responsible <laughs> and nobody's put her on any committee yeah. to, to do anything. But, um, I was like, you guys have to get this handled, right? Because the rest of the world is withdrawing from the United States to go over there. Because when you talk about having a hundred thousand cases a day and, um, 1300, you know, deaths or 1,600 deaths. I can't go there because I'm now a UK citizen. I don't have American health care. If I went there and I got sick and I couldn't come back, right? Okay. I'd be in real trouble.
0: You haven't got American health insurance now, then? No. Because you need to
1: ha- contribute. Your work sometimes contributes, doesn't yeah, it? it? Or you yeah, pay high cost- premiums. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It would be a high premium thing uh, for the short period that I'd be there. For- two or three weeks, yeah. you know, or, um, yeah, it's typically a, a work thing. And... and plus everyone else that goes and like, just,
0: you know, passing it about, like you, you've got people who you care about here and then over there. And that is tough. You're trying to protect people as well. Yeah. She just
1: must be desperate to see a boy. She It can't she be is. easy. Yeah. It's, it's not. And we do our best. Um, but you know, it's not the same. It's not ever the same. Right. No. And I've been going back, you know, like every three months, trying to at least every three months since I've been here. So the trip that I had in March was cut short because of COVID. We had to get back here because I don't have American insurance. Marianne doesn't. And then Marianne was afraid that even if we got trapped there, it wasn't that we could be unhoused, but it's that her mom's here. And it's who would take care of her mom.
0: Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say similar things like, uh, a friend, he couldn't... He didn't want to leave. he get given this opportunity. He says, I just don't want to leave because what if I can't come back and be here for my mum as well? And he was he was fine. He, he, was, he knew what he had to do for himself and his mum and it was just, it's just crazy to think it was a good opportunity for him as well. But I, th- I think... I don't know. Like, I've got family in Canada. Obviously, I'm Canadian and... Um, don't travel obviously as much back to you but it's not till you says till somebody says you can't go over yeah. like, I need to go over sort of thing or I want to go over and um you know, my dad's in a care home now and they're basically locked up it's almost like a jail because they can't get out they can't let people in because if it gets into these places it's devastating so he's get he's got it tough man he's not getting much stimulus at all and I just like Phew.
1: I just feel like time ticking by to, you know, my parents. I mean, will tell you this about time. You don't ever get any of it back. No. It's all one way, which is the great thing that you prioritize your family and you're there for them, that experience. And if they move on and develop their own lives, then fine, you can do your own things, but it's good but to they have they need that. to come back and see me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want yeah. them to go well, too far. <laughs> of course, of course. But, you know, my parents are getting older now and then I'm I'm thinking like, well, how long is it? How long do I have them at this? You're asking me questions, that's
0: it. You know, mortality, that's yeah. when we talk about the birthday of your sister. Yeah. I never thought about mortality before that, my kind of 30th. Like, I, I, that was roughly the same time that I was just married. I had my first child and I turned 30 and it was just like all came together. I never thought about, um, I never thought much into the future at all. Never really scared about death and just cracking on. Silly guy, just laughing and and It was like it all came, and it was like it was an early midlife crisis, if you like. You know, just these things that you never think about, and now stuff that we've got more time to think about, like how fragile things are. Mm. So I'm hoping now that the talk, the talk about this vaccine, that would be good if that was medically safe, and we could. That
1: would be a big one, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would. And you know, we'd we'll just have to see uh, what it is that they they come up. with. Are we going to hold down all the anti-vaxxers and?
0: Stab him in the chest, Pope Fiction style.
1: I don't think that that would do anybody any good. No, I'm I don't think that would help anyone. <laughs> um, that that would be a very bizarre sort of Listen. anti-utopian thing. But one thing I wanted to say about when I when I turned thirty, what I realized was, I thought I could do anything before I was thirty. Right, I thought like I could do anything in the world. Like if I put my mind to it, I could be determined and I could get something done. That's because you can. I I can do a lot of things, but it was thirty that I realized that sheer determination and ability to do something did not equate to the success of it. No,
0: because there's so many other things that come into the mix. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just it's funny. It's just I thought like thirty was the age. I guess maybe. Generations ago, it was, it was earlier because life changed so quite you, you had to become an adult, it was probably just a bit sheltered in some aspects of my life, you know, and been quite fortunate with a lot of things. Some people have to go through real trials and tribulations before they get there, they probably had that.
1: Like, um, I just my mom and uh, dad were. She was 21, and he was 25 when I was born. And they'd been married for three years by then, right? Like, that's just not the society that we live in now. No. My uncle, my mum's eldest brother, was married at 17. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Still married to this day as well. I don't know. My uncle, Alex, is he a great-great-grandfather or something? He must be something like that, because there's millions of them They're all over in Canada. He spread the seed. They just... The thing over there but yeah 17 crazy to think isn't it a child
1: yeah yeah well we think that now but they were men back in the day yeah, yeah. because you <laughs> know you're old enough to go do something so you're old enough to go
0: yeah and things are so much easier in there you know yeah. like before like you had to go out and do your thing and there's stuff so easy isn't it it really is and i don't mean
1: emotionally i just mean things are just easier there are some things that are definitely easier. Some things are not easier. Like what? I think social media doesn't make it easy. No, that's up. true. It does, it's, it, a lot of people have lost their priorities,
0: I think. Yeah. So it's probably harder that they're realizing. I think also, to that maybe work is quite difficult now. Like, back in the day, you kind of chose your path and you maybe had some sort of choice and you could stay with that job your full days you know you do the whole retire things but now it's like i've got a friend who's uh an electrician you know you're yeah quite interested in that as well and he get contracts so it's up it's like finding our job you know and he's got kids wife hers, and that's that pressure all the time looking for it lands on his feet good guy well quoted in that but sometimes there is that wee bit that it just drags out a wee bit longer till he starts saying whoa and you know as me like as a freelancer as well it's it's quite scary
1: sometimes i think too that there there's an access to to hatred and criticism in society now that wasn't there before they do so, not have time and, for that shit no, and it I, wasn't there, even available if you know what i mean yeah so you know you people could gossip and could be petty but it wasn't as uh, pervasive or as um as casual as it is today, like criticism on like Twitter or something yeah, like but,
0: that. And the whole world can watch.
1: Like some videos
0: too. go like and you see somebody maybe getting bullied or something really horrible ass and people are laughing and that and then just sometimes think that person needs to live with that out there. Like I get my ass kicked, you know, say when I was like fifteen off a guy, right? He was eighteen or whatever, nineteen get my ass kicked. Embarrassing for me, hated it. But these days now, somebody could film that because that's forgotten. That's maybe, you know, like I was there and he's there with his pals. And that memory fades. But imagine yeah. knowing that that video is out there all the time. And you just once it's out in the,
1: the, the Internet, it will never disappear. And the, yeah, there's no escaping it. So it's there when you go to sleep at night, right? It's right there next to you on your phone. You can still be harassed. The cyberbullying is young kids. and Yeah, that is true. It's something... And that's hard. Oh, yeah. That's got
0: to be hard. Yeah, definitely.
1: So there's... uh, But my wife and I talk about, like, do you remember the 90s? Do you remember when you could disappear? Like, you just turn off your phone and say, I'm going to go on a journey and... Turn off a phone. I never had one problem in the 90s. Well, exactly. (laughs) No, we wouldn't have had a phone, but just you don't you're not near a phone, you have no communication, right? You know people's phone numbers and you're just like, I'm gonna go a journey across the United States and I'll call you in two weeks when I get somewhere and nobody knows where you are and you just disappear into this sort of anonymity. And we both I guess actually cherish that because I guess really for her as a former journalist, being exposed to some of that bullying that we we were talking about you know like just turning off and just being your own person and not having any responsibilities and nobody's chasing you down and you know your mom calls and you don't have to necessarily you know pick it up but also like you would tell a friend tomorrow we're going to meet at this at three o'clock and you were there because you didn't have any other way to it's just funny you're saying that i always talk to my friend i said remember when you were young
0: right now obviously you get phones and you're organizing and meet people and stuff but it was like you'd get home from school or sometimes just even in my own case i'd get back say maybe i was staying at my dad's for the weekend right we'd come back sunday it was where is everybody where are they all playing i need to go find them i lived in this big tower block and i'm like are they could play hockey are they are they doing wrestling around the side whose houses i had to knock on doors where is it? Oh, he left He's, It he was like you had to find people. I know. I think, how did we ever find people, you know? <laughs> now we've got the Google Maps. It's, it's, it knows where we are, you know. And as you said, like, imagine now Like, you went off, it was radio silence for two weeks. Now people would presume you were dead.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You haven't posted on your Facebook. What's up? You know, your WhatsApp. You now you send a text. That WhatsApp will tell you if you've looked at it. yeah. I used, to, I used to write letters. I used to write letters to my dad. You know, it just, it's just, th- things have changed so much, so quick, how we communicate and how we are with people. I just, I think it's amazing. That's why it's good that you're doing that. Like, you really, I'm like, saves coming on the podcast after you told me about that project because I'm like, that's just so simple and amazing. I really like that whole strip back, like, as you say, the pollution of everyday stuff that really just Muffles these things. Whether it's even like light pollution as well, isn't it? They talk about the the ancients, the Sumerians, and the ancient Egypt's ancient Egypt ancient Egyptians that they looked up in the sky and they could see the stars and the the planets so bright because there was nothing else, you know. And now we look up; it's so hard to see. Yeah, light pollution is. Or out. if you go camping somewhere, like some of these places in Scotland are going, I'm like we just sit and look at the stars. You're like, look at that. You don't see that walking about here. No. You see the odd one and you kind of forget, don't you? It just goes away and no, things be- things become the norm. It's like you guys in the US making Santa red and white because of Coca-Cola. It just becomes the norm after a while and people don't know the truth. Yep. Because just what's there
1: becomes the truth. So yeah, that's really good. And you've got these records. You should have brought it in. We could have played it for them. Well, I've got one record. I only hit, only did a single pressing. Oh did you? Yeah. Did you do the record that snaps easy? Because <laughs> there's the <that> old <laughs> kind that just goes Yeah. I, I know which one you're talking about. I did not. Or the do newer that. ones that weren't? It, it, it is here in Glasgow. I brought it back. So is that like just like a, a white label sort of thing or No, I I went ahead and designed my own labels and uh Cover created covers for it. I've got more covers so I could do more pressings and do more covers if Quite I wanted. Quite a pricey process I would assume. Yeah but I think it was about the sort of preciousness of it. Oh I'm not, yeah. You know. Or oh, do you want to keep
0: that like not put out say 50 press ones. You like the
1: fact that there's only that one? I did at the time. Um, it was definitely what I was looking at was like you know like this sort of real collector's item yeah you know like somebody like to who understood like the sort of preciousness of its yeah. objecthood yeah. i know that that may sound ridiculous no, it's, just,
0: it's, it's it's that's why star wars toys are so precious and going for so much because there was only so many people my brother chewed them or people found them and just they all get away so it's when they become precious that they get value. Now it always makes me laugh because they'll do We're running a limited edition thing. And like, that's not worth it because people know and they, they'll, they'll keep it. It's the stuff that we didn't realize that disappears. There's only, we need to need to keep that. There's not many of them left. Once that's
1: gone, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I was thinking with it. It was just sort of making it a very, uh, precious, precious, uh, precious object. But when I did all the, um, that's all hand silk screened all the covers, and I've got a couple of the covers uh, still. But I only took one and folded it all together. Um, but I had a silk screen friend who who helped me with all that. But I did all the color separations and all the graphics for was it. Was this well. done obviously all in America then? No, um, the pressing was actually done here in the UK, okay. And I flew it back for some shows in America, and I've just recently brought the record back. To the uk because it was in um two or three shows there you trust these posties
0: jumping about with your
1: records? <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember How did amazon I get... delivery guys using it as a frisbee delivering it well they probably are they probably are but i guess that's its story <laughs> you know there was uh, an artist who did this project which he built glass cubes that were exactly the size of FedEx boxes because he liked the idea of like, you know, owning space and like what space really is. But then he put them in, uh, whenever he has a show of them, he puts them in FedEx boxes and has them shipped to the show via FedEx. So if they arrive broken or cracked, it's part of that sort of FedEx journey. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Actually. I, I, There's some art that it's to get your brain working sometimes. Well, it's all, I guess, your brain working. But sometimes it's like, that's a bit silly. And then you see a beautiful painting. And there's lots of different ways. And you've done that. And I'm like, I understand that. You do anything again like this? You looking to create some more personal projects?
1: Yeah, I will create some more personal projects. Um, Some of them might be revisiting things that I've done in the past. Um, I might actually take these field recordings and reconstruct them into a museum. There was a guy who went out to this island, which is why I picked it in particular, as an artist. And we go out there and like sketch the wildlife, and you know, and live out there and do that. He has a museum in, um, I think it's Ocean Springs, Mississippi. I've talked to them about making a permanent exhibit of the sounds so that people can go there and see his room work. Sort of stuff, yeah, and. And hear the ambient sounds that he would have heard when he created uh, the work. So that's definitely on the board right there. But I've got a couple other ideas that I want to get to, but I've got to move first. I've got a move coming up on December 4th. Um, oh,
0: moving house. Yeah, moving oh, my, house. What are you moving? Yeah. What are you talking about? Moving house. Well, a stressful so, time?
1: Can be. I can think you'll be. be okay.
0: Yeah. You're not going too far, as you said. So Yeah, no. You're just moving your stuff. Yeah, and you know. all your gold bars, and
1: yeah, well, that's the thing. Is God, I, I just don't really trust packing them packing up my gold bars and they all get it <laughs> over there. Well, don't trust them with your record anyway,
0: yeah, yeah. Listen, mate, that was it was really good, interesting. Um, looking forward to creating some stuff with you as well. And um, we're just scratching the surface,
1: we've got the studio kind of growing, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we have, and we're starting to get the equipment we need. and we're starting to get a feel for each other, but I'm really looking forward to uh, the next couple of months when we get in here and have a bit more time. Yeah, without to... the the heavy deadlines and stuff with the holidays coming up, but... and, and really start to push each other and and learn from each other because you know there's a lot of you know when we were talking earlier about immigrants coming in. There's a lot of things where we're like well, that's not how I would have done that.
0: Absolutely. Do you know when I like I always loved workshops, especially even photography. And I love the American stuff, right? So they would come here, but really expensive. And I'm like, I can't afford it. So luckily, I've worked with photographers who are really good. They says, listen, come work with me. Get paid. I'm like, how good is this? They're paying me. And I'm actually watching these guys, how they perform, how they do their work. And see all the stuff you just pick up over the years that adds to your arsenal because it's stuff that you like or you're like, ah, that works. And that's why, like working with other people, as you say, is just that that new thing, that you know that that new friend, like no, check you didn't, you never done this. Yeah, you know? what? Oh, here's another way that you could do that. Exactly, you and know? you can only read so much in a book, yeah. and that always just be like, I love you. Got to see it, haven't you? And there's just like some things. Uh,
1: I'm sorry to speak over it's you. Okay. The um. Oh, those exercise bands. That we were doing, yes, the other day, and was like, "Well, why don't we just put it here?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it that way." <laughs> Save me a wee bit of time now. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. That, as some, the fresh eyes always say. Yeah. Sometimes you're 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 too close. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to sit back and see the bigger picture, and that's why it was good when we done the talk with your. Well, ho- hopefully, your your students got something from a talk that they came in and they seen how we kind of work. And it's just maybe get some thinking a wee bit, maybe
1: creative juices, or just yeah yeah because one of the students i don't know if you remember asked you know because it was like and you could also do this to do it that way yeah and he was like well why aren't you doing that that way and then you were able to answer i get well, the I, reality of the situation yeah, exactly <laughs> because i'm used to like
0: that's know. what some people like i always say i and it always this i probably said this before on the podcast it's so you're a snooker player right you know what snooker is, as an I know American what snooker is. yeah so if you're practicing you can hit a ton plus, you know, of course, let's say you get 140, stress is off, but see when the cameras are on, there's a guy over there, who's wanting to beat you, you know, the people there, the people back at home watching, the pressure, you've not got the luxury of, that relaxing, so to perform, you don't get the full performance, so it's like, a wedding photographer, a photographer's like, yeah, if everything goes perfect, I'll get there, but I'll use my experience that, Things don't always run the plan. I maybe not got the budget requirements here, maybe not got the correct equipment, but I'll use everything I got to at least get past where most people would get. So you just, you do the the best with what you got, isn't it? You can only, you know, what tools you have at hand, and nothing's ever perfect. But in here, it's growing. We've got a lot of good stuff, and we are going to see some big things. I will say that creativity can come from the lack of having definitely you know the greatest albums you probably find mostly is when the young guys they angst you know they they're annoyed that they can't get that girl that they want they've not get the money or the cool guys so that's that's when their best stuff happens it's when things get easy the boxer starts making the money like, i can't be bought am i getting up at six o'clock in the morning and go for a run don't have to before they kind of had to you know to get yeah. there so take that away, yeah. A lot
1: of people say that you got to stay hungry, and sometimes if you're overfed, it's not that hungry, is it? No. So we got to find a way to stay hungry with our new equipment and everything else like that, and we yeah. just got to keep pushing where yeah, we're going. Yeah, because
0: sometimes you're just plodding along, and you just realize that you're you're actually going down the way rather than going like right. Let's that that new blood didn't keeping each other pushed, and we'll get that, mate. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, you're more welcome. Thank you for having me. We'll probably do it again. Okay. We'll talk about your next project. Okay. That sounds great. Once we've had the vaccines and stuff, you can. (laughs) We'll do one. You can go to work and we'll do the cross. Once you hold me down and force me to have a (laughs) vaccine through the heart like Pulp Fiction? Yeah, just to smash right through your your chest plate, isn't it? No, mate. That was really good. uh, And I hope everybody else enjoyed it too, okay? Yeah, me too. Thanks, man.